Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says this. Honor your father and mother and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This commandment is the first we've encountered in this list of Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it. And it's actually a twofold promise that we'll live long and have a good life. And that's a promise from God to us when we do the, what the fifth commandment says, which is honor father and mother. This commandment is so easy to overlook <clears throat> because we think, well, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not a kid. I'm not a kid at home anymore. Um, but God is not speaking to children when he says this. The Ten Commandments were given to adults. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, way back in the New Testament. So this happens a long time after the Ten Commandments were given. After Jesus has uh, come, been crucified, resurrected, and the church is born and being spread through the, the Roman world, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in a town or a, a city called Ephesus. And in chapter 6, verse 1, he says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes from what we just read. He quotes the fifth commandment. He says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Live long and prosper. Oh, no, that's something else. Um, <laughs> anyway. You'll get it. It'll come to you. After. Um, but this is the promise that God is giving to not only the Christians in Ephesus, but you and me. And making it clear in both the Old and the New Testament that this is something that wasn't just for then, it is for now. And, not, and God, you know, the book of Ephesians was not, you won't find it in the children's section at Barnes & Noble. It wasn't a kid's book. When the Apostle Paul, in chapter 6, verse 1 of this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians, says, children, he wasn't talking to little kids. He was talking to all of us because we are all someone's child. Every one of us have at least two parents. <laughs> now, you might not know one or the other or both of them. That doesn't matter. You have two biological parents, every one of us. You may wish you didn't know your, your two parents, but you have two parents. You may have more than that. You may have adoptive parents. You may have step-parents. But we all have at least two. And the Apostle Paul, when he says, children, obey your parents, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. And he says that if you'll pay attention to this, God has said there's a promise that, be, that will be fulfilled. A long life and a good life. You and I cannot afford to skip the fifth commandment. You and I cannot afford simply to use it as something to keep our own kids in line. Hey, the Bible says obey your parents. We don't get to do that. We have to pay attention to this for us. It's critically important for us. And, uh, and there's a reason for that. And I want to talk to you about that right now. The purpose of the, tenth, of the fifth commandment. Turn to um, 
Let's see. Uh, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament in chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The purpose of the fifth commandment is, because, uh, is that God wants to help us to become people of authority. God wants you and me to become a person of authority. Now, most of us think of authority, people of authority, as being people who have some way of messing up my life, you know, firing me from the job, um, you know, making my life miserable in other ways, people who have, you know, the, the power over me. But authority is not, it's not about power or intimidation. It is weight, and I don't mean the kind of weight you're trying to lose. You know, I mean, it's weight, bearing, wisdom, respect, influence, maturity, and depth. That's what authority truly is. And God wants you to be that kind of person. I, I am, I've had it up to here with the models that are being uh, pressed towards us, uh, for us to emulate by our culture and society, the people who are put forward as, oh, be like them. People who are so shallow. They may have, they may have uh, skill. They may have intelligence. They may have charisma. They may have t uh, talent. But so many of them are like, you know, a mile wide, an inch deep. There's no authority there. Notoriety is not the same as authority. Fame is not the same as authority. Authority is quite different. And God wants you to be a person of authority. That's why he gave you the fifth commandment. I was uh, thinking last night about Mother Teresa, someone that uh, some of you may not even be aware of because you, you know, she died, um, I think, about 18 years ago. So you, you, you're young enough, you may not have uh, heard much about her. But this was a woman who, I mean, she was a little tiny person in terms of her physique. Not someone who would stand out in any crowd. Not someone the world would be, you know, promoting as, hey, be like this, dress like this, talk like this. Do the uh, unassuming in every way and yet marked this world in such a profound manner, left a huge wake in her life. Martin Luther King Jr., a guy who was imperfect just like the rest of us and yet had an authority about him. God means for us to be people of authority, the art of submission. So that's the other purpose of the... Fifth commandment is learning the art of submission. And a lot of us have trouble with that because we've only thought about submission as something that people take from us. And that's not the case. I asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 28. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now the scribes were professional uh, religious people and professional um, 
scholars of the word of God. They knew every word by heart. They were the ones who actually uh, uh, transcribed word, by, word for word, character for character, the Hebrew scriptures. And they were uh, considered the intelligentsia, intelligentsia of their day. Very highly esteemed. And the people, though, they knew there was a difference between these guys who, would, who were always being put forward by the culture as the models of religiosity, models of godliness, models of intelligence. The people knew there was something different about Jesus. And, and the Bible says it was authority. He had authority. How did he get that? Well, of course, he's the son of God. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus lived out his life on this earth always as a model for us. And so it tells us that in, Philipp in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus submitted himself not only to God, but even to human beings. Even to the, he submitted himself even to the point of death on the cross. But that submission, the Bible says, is what causes him today to be the one before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Lord. The pathway to that authority that he demonstrated everywhere was his submission. The Bible tells us that Jesus, when he came to, when he was in the, some of you will remember that at 12 years of age, he went to the, with his family to Jerusalem and uh, uh, he was separated from his family because he stayed behind in debate with the scribes and Pharisees while, every, while his family and everybody else were headed back to, to uh, the Galilee region. And when his parents found out that he wasn't with their neighbors or their uh, family, they came back to Jerusalem, found him there in the temple, uh, discussing the things of God and the scriptures with these men of great learning. And uh, they, uh, they said, hey, what are you doing here? So, well, well why wouldn't it be that I'd be about my father's business? But then it goes on to say that he went home with them and was subject to them. He was subject to his parents, to uh, his earthly um, family, Mary and Joseph. It says he was subject to them. And as a result, it says that he grew in stature, not just height, but in stature, in authority. So the pathway to that authority for Jesus was submission. You and I, if we want to be people of authority, we cannot afford to think there's some other path for us. To be the kind of person who makes a mark in this world, whose life has bearing and weight to it. There's no other path to that but through submission. And the fifth commandment tells us Honor father and mother. We'll talk in a bit about how I know that that's not always an easy thing. But God knows that too. It doesn't change the fact you can't write a different rule for yourself. There's no other path to authority but through submission. Now we read in Ephesians chapter 6 and we read in Exodus chapter 20 about honor about honoring our fathers and mothers. And it says, and, and, and in Ephesians, it says, obey them. That word obey uh, is translated from a word that means to hear under, to position yourself under the voice 
of who's ever speaking to you. It's uh, obey your parents. It says, position yourself. Take a position of heart that puts yourself beneath the person speaking to you. Obey your parents and the Lord. And he's talking to adults. He's talking to adults. Children, obey your parents. Honor, that word honor in both the Ephesians passage and in the Exodus passage, that means to consider to have weight, to, to consider to be important, to consider to be valuable, your mother and father. And that submission is what we've already talked about, leads to being a person of authority because submission is not something that you surrender to uh, a dominating. You, you don't surrender to domination in order to be submission, to be submissive. It cannot be demanded, forced, or taken from you. That's not submission. Submission can only, you hear me? Only be freely offered. And God, so God is to asking us or uh, telling us to be mindful of the fact that if we want to be people of authority, we need to take action and offer to mom and dad submission. Now, there's a problem, though. The problem is that none of us come from perfect families, including my own. In fact, I'm sure all of my kids at one point or another are going to have to go through therapy. You know, it's just <laughs> a given. Um, I love my kids, and I, I've, Sue and I have done our best through our lifetime to invest in them our, uh, you know, in a scriptural way, uh, our love, and to set them up for a good life. But we aren't perfect. And, you know, the good, I mean, the consolation is, now that my kids are parents, I, I see that they're not perfect either. <laughs> right? Let me off the hook just a little bit. So none of us come from a perfect situation, but that doesn't change the fact that we are looking at the word of God to us. And um, there are three little words in the Ephesians passage we read that will help us. Obey your parents, it says, in the Lord. Can you say those three words with me? In the Lord. They are little bitty words, but they, they will help us. So we have imperfect parents, but we can submit in the Lord, in the Lord's will. We can submit to imperfect parents and trust him to deal with them. I'm doing what I need to do. I can honor, I can respect, I can consider to have worth and value and weight and importance. I can position myself to hear under because I trust God. It's in the Lord. Whether they've earned that place or, uh, in my life or not, in the Lord, I can do that. Um, another part of the problem is that uh, we not only have imperfect parents, but we have, um, let's get back here, unbelieving uh, parents, a lot of us. People who don't share the same values we do. People who don't, um, you know, believe in God, for instance. Some of us are in that kind of a situation where, uh, you know, our parents aren't people of faith. That doesn't change this. That doesn't change the fifth commandment, dear one. 
But those three words will help us, in the Lord. So we can submit to unbelieving parents as much as is appropriate in the Lord. When their direction or guidance or counsel or correction or whatever it is uh, would be pushing us outside of in the Lord, that's where the line is drawn and I don't have to go there. I had, you know, this, this applies to other levels of, of uh, authority and submission, other lines of, of authority in our lives. I want to be a person who is a submitted person because I want to be a person of authority. And so that has to do with employers and stuff that I, other, you know, people of authority in my life, teachers and so on. I had a, a boss one time, actually, he was uh, two layers of management above me and he uh, got me on the phone one day and he told me to lie to a client. In the Lord. In the, I cannot do this. I want to be a person of submission because I want to be a person of authority. And I know God placed this person in my life. But I've run up against the boundary now. What do I do here? Those three words helped me. In the Lord. I cannot... Do, I cannot respect what he's asking me to do. I cannot do what he's asked me to do and be in the Lord. So I said, that ain't going to happen. Here's what I'll do. I'll put you on the phone with the client and you lie to them. And he did. So when we have parents who don't share our same values... Uh, there's a broad spectrum of area where we can still submit or be in submission or consider weighty and valuable these people without going beyond in the Lord, right? Now, what about abusive parents? And I look, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. There's almost nothing I haven't heard. And the stories that I hear of people uh, receiving the most cruel things you can imagine from people who were sent by God to love them keeps me awake at night. It's terrible. It's awful. Horrible. The effects of sin in this world in so many ways, not the least of which is, uh, is you know, abusive parents uh, is just disgusting in every way. And undoubtedly, right here in this room, there are people who came from abusive situations. And so I'm asking you to do something that seems complete. How, can even, how could God even suggest that to me? I understand that. And God does too. But it doesn't change the fact that it, he wants you to be a person of authority. And you can't allow that parent who is so... Um, unrighteous and so unloving and so evil to derail God's purposes in your life. He won't let it happen and you can't afford to either. And so these three words in the Lord will help you there too. Because even in the most despicable of circumstances and situations that you may have found yourself in, God and his faithfulness will always send a surrogate and as you look back on your life, you know this is true. There, he arranged for somebody to come into your life as a parental figure, a healthy, whole person, a teacher, a friend, a, 
youth worker, a pastor, somebody that he brought into your life that you could hear under, that you could submit to as a surrogate, someone instead of. But the issue is still there, still present. It's still something that you can't just blow off because your mother or father or both were idiots, right? What about deceased parents? Your parents aren't alive anymore. How do I relate to them in a way that is honorable uh, and obedient? And especially, well, anyway, it's, it's, it, this, these are all difficult, right? Even if, dear one, so if, in the case of a deceased person, same thing. Honor their memory from your perspective in the Lord. And listen, if all you can come up with this is going to sound funny. I don't mean it humorously. If all you can come up with in terms of how to honor a mother or father that's either been abusive or deceased, all you can come up with, well, let's just say, let's just limit it to fathers. All I can come up with is, well, he contributed sperm to my, my life. If that's all you got, that's something, right? You can thank God for that and be truly honest about that. Thank God I have life because of that man. Nothing else I can thank you about with regarding to him, but I can thank you, God, for that. I wouldn't have life apart from that. And you can, in at least, I mean, it's, I know it seems so insignificant and so small, and yet it's so big. Anything you can do to obey the fifth commandment unleashes the promise of God to you for a long and healthy life, a long and good life. There is this promise, a long and good life. It's long because it's not poisoned by all this other junk. It's good because it's free from the haunting consequences of a rebellious heart. When you live your life with a rebellious heart towards people of authority in your life, it seeps out into the other relationships of your life and you can't help it. You cannot hold it back. When rebellion begins to get a hold of you in one area, it starts to affect every other area. And that will ruin your life. God knows this. And so he said that he gave us the fifth commandment because it will free us from that. It will also uh, help us to avoid the soul-polluting effects of unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger. That stuff that you hold towards, you know, your parents, you got to get this cleaned up, man, because it will poison your soul. I know a woman who was so, well, I, I knew her. She's not alive anymore. Partly because she could not forgive. And the poison of that unforgiveness and bitterness in her soul began to affect her body. And she, for as long as I knew her, which is a period of many years, suffered from just about any kind of, every and any kind of malady you can think of and kept her doctors really busy. But really it was rooted, I know for certainty, in that bitterness and unforgiveness of soul eventually she got to the place where she couldn't even move. She was so tightened up with her bitterness and wrath that she could hardly move. And eventually lost her life. 
I mean, that's an extreme case, but I mean, God wants to spare you from that. And um, when the fifth commandment, will, fifth commandment will help us also benefit from the wisdom of others. When you carve off, you know, mom and dad, God bless them, good or bad or otherwise, God meant for them to be a source of blessing to you. And when you just carve them off as though they don't matter or inconsequential, you'll start to have that same attitude to, towards others who God places in your life to bless you with wisdom and discernment. And you'll be, become a person who is always uh, you know, critical and, and uh, you know, uh, never quite able to fully accept things that people say, you know, that kind of person. God wants to spare you from that, give you a good life, a long life. And so that's why the fifth commandment. But here's finally the point, the point to it all. Turn to Romans chapter 8 now. Um, we're having a little bit of a journey through the Bible this morning. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God meant for you, dear one, to know a relationship with him as your heavenly father. And if you haven't worked out how to relate to your earthly parents, you're going to have trouble relating to him as your heavenly father. Now, I, I don't mean to say anything particularly derogatory about Chinese culture, but I just, I know there's some examples from, because I, I, twice a year I go to uh, Taiwan and work with Chinese, a lot of Chinese uh, students there. And um, I can't tell you how many times I've been dealing with someone ministering to a young person, and I mean like in their 20s, early 20s, that have come to faith in Christ. They're followers of Christ, but they cannot, they just have the hardest time relating to God as their Heavenly Father. Because all they know is in that culture, because there's so much pressure to, to um, get a good education, get a good job, and, and the, the pressure to excel is on them constantly. And, and parents will withhold... Um, affection as a way to, mo they think, a way to motivate their kids to, to work harder, to study harder, to do better. And all they can think of, when I say, oh, your heavenly father loves you, all they can think about is, well, then I've got to work harder to please him. If we don't get things straightened out with mom and dad, it wrecks how will you relate to the Heavenly Father? He says, I want you to know me as your Abba. That's a word so tender, so precious, that the translators just left it. They didn't even bother to translate it because there's no way to do so. Abba. I mean, it would be like saying, I mean, this isn't even enough, but it'd be like saying Daddy or Papa. You know, my grandchildren, they call me Papa. I don't know what they, if you're a grandparent, I don't know what they call you, but I know that's what they call me, and I can't tell you what it's like to hear that. When they say, Papa! 
oh my gosh. Take me to heaven. I'm done, you know. God says we can have that kind of relationship with him. Not as long as we're messed up in terms of how we relate to mom and dad because we'll never be able to relate to him that way if we don't get this straightened out. And God is the ultimate authority. So if we're going to be people of authority and want to be in line with his, in between there is mom and dad and we got to get that straightened out. But God will help us. This is recording number 11158 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 26, 2015. This is the 11th message in a series titled, The Exit. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Authority.